Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting startup founders share their stories and strategies. They also deliver tangible lessons learned along the way that you can apply to your own startup. Each episode is a true masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups. And my guest today is Chris Carr, all the way from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, just slightly up high, highway I-95 from where I'm sitting in Richmond, Virginia. So we're, we're holding down the eastern seaboard for the rest of the country. Chris, thanks for joining <laughs> us on Rising Tide. Yeah, this is great. Thanks. This has been, this is, I'm really looking forward to it. So we chat a little bit offline, talk more football probably than anything else, but man, I just, <laughs> I, I want you to introduce yourself to, as, as you sure. can only do this to our, to our audience. If you and I met at a networking event, how would you introduce yep. yourself to us? Sure. Sure. Well, um, as you said, my name is Chris Carr. I started Barotech. We're a digital marketing agency. We're located just outside the city of Philadelphia, a town called Conshohocken. Um, and we uh, help companies uh, generate systems that generate leads, nurture leads into clients, and then convert clients into raving fans of your brand. And I'll sim simply what that means is just people that are going to go out and give you referrals are going to say, hey, this product's awesome. You should buy it. And so what we find is, is that there's just a lot of companies out there that have portions of marketing, but they don't really have a full system. And mm -hmm. So for the last 21 years, that's what we've been doing is just going into companies and teaching them how to systematize their marketing. So you hear the word digital marketing agency. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it seems like that's, it is like a catch-all phrase for anybody yeah. remotely connected to the social space, remotely connected to ad space or whatever. Mm -hmm. So when you use that word, what exactly do you mean when you're talking about we're a digital marketing agency? Yep. Well, I mean, as opposed to traditional marketing, um, billboards and print like collateral, yeah. Uh, we, yeah. yeah, we do some of that, but uh, that's only usually supportive materials. What we're trying to do is trying to create marketing that has a very clear ROI. Mm -hmm. What's great about digital is, is that everything kind of leaves a footprint. And so when you set up your system correctly, every initiative that you do, usually there's a result that you get from it and you can correlate energy and output to ROI. Right. And so that's why digital marketing, in my opinion, is the best form of marketing because you know what's working and you know what's not working. Um, as opposed to you drive by a billboard and you're hoping that brand recognition is enough, but you never really know. I mean, the way you describe though, like we go in and we help you do things better. We help you show, we show you how to do it type thing. So that, mm -hmm. that almost like it's, it's a clouded, like a clouded um, category for me. It's like, yeah. you know, when you think of digital marketing agency, I'm thinking of, okay, I'm going to outsource this to you. You do it all for me. You, you run my yep. ads, you manage my, my, mm -hmm. you know, Facebook, Instagram, yep social media, you know, accounts type thing. So, but it sounds like me, yours, yours a lot broader offering than that. And it's more almost like a, yep. like a training company or a, or a service yep. provider on the, on the back end, like an in-house consultant, mm -hmm. you know, type thing. So how would yep. you, where do you fit in all that? Well, I mean, we like to consider ourselves an extension of your staff. And so mm -hmm. what we do is, is that we've built a system over the last 21 years and the first thing we do is we do develop what's called a gap assessment. And a gap assessment is a 10 week deep dive into your business. And we literally develop a 150 page book. And that book is going to be your three to five year roadmap on how to scale your business. What it's a SWOT 
analysis on steroids. Mm -hmm. We're going to know where yeah. the gaps are, the opportunities are. And we're going to figure out if you need to grow to $20 million, how many sales does it take to get to 20 million? And if I know how many sales it takes, how many leads does it take to get a sale? Mm. Then how many visits does it take to get a lead? And therefore, how many visits does it take to get to $20 million? And so from a digital marketing um, strategy, I have to figure out, hey, how am I going to drive enough awareness to reach my goals? Well, at least reach our clients' goals. Once we've come to an agreement on that, we usually have an in-house person at who works for the company. Sometimes it's a CMO. Sometimes it's just an administrator. And what happens is that they become the quarterback, but they run our system and we mm -hmm. do 100% of the execution. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the things that I think that that it allows us to do is to look at the way we hire. Because in the past, you know, we used to call this person Marketing Mary and Marketing Mary had, her job was to run the entire marketing department. But marketing is moving so fast that it's it's much bigger than a one person job. Yeah. So now you're at a crossroads. Do you hire a bunch of people and a bunch of subject matter experts? You know, I mean, just an SEO guy alone is about a hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars and I need five other SMEs. Yeah. So you could do that or you can lean on a company like us that already has the subject matter experts and you basically leverage our experts to do all your execution. And so because we've been doing it for so long, we know exactly how to cut the corners and avoid the mistakes that most companies make on their own. Is it is it kind of parallel with the idea of like a fractional CMO? I mean, like you're, you know, you're. Yeah, yep. But the CMO of, usually, yeah. The CMO usually has all the ideas, but can't execute. Right. Because you just right. don't have enough time. Maybe it's or fractional have, marketing department. Yeah. It's like a fractional marketing department would be closer. Right. But yeah. But so, what we try to do is we try to come to you and say, you know what? You're running a business here. I'm only going to take about an hour and a half of your time a week. Right. And then we're going to go and get everything else done. I, um, I don't want to jump too far ahead on this because I, mm -hmm. you, you, in a very short period of time, man, you said so much in like one sentence mm. there that I've got 15 questions that are flying around <laughs> my, my, my brain, but the, the whole idea I've, I've, I have done this podcast for, you know, almost five years and interviewed people, mm. 30 countries. Uh, just a number of people, but a lot of them in the digital marketing space in some capacity. I don't yep. believe I've ever talked to anybody that in one mm -hmm. sentence said as much as you did uh, as far as a service mm -hmm. that you provide mm -hmm. in such a comprehensive manner. The only mm -hmm. the only comparison I have is I interviewed a guy in, in Australia that was a, a business consultant. And they go in and do very similar process to what you just described. Yeah. The first three months yep. is like this deep dive yep. into, yep. We, we even mm -hmm. tell, tell them the questions that they don't even know to ask, you yeah. know, is that, is that John Log Is that John Loger? No, no, this is, this is, uh, yeah, well, another, another Australian that, uh, okay. you know, yeah. but, uh, um, yeah, actually a, I'll, I'll tell you, his name is Peter Selby and he's a, he's a great guy. Okay. We, we have connected over and over again uh, on different things, but, okay. um, just the whole idea of how, 360 this review mm. is you know this comprehensive holistic review and um, mm -hmm. what leads me to believe is that you know you have so much invested on the front end you better really sell this service because yep. it, you've got a lot of expense even I do. immediately I do. you know it's not yep. like you know we're paying mm -hmm. 20 bucks a month for a subscription to our yeah to our facebook yep. course you know yeah but I will be clear that we charge for the discovery. We we charge about twenty thousand dollars for yeah, the yeah. discovery. 
Yeah. So the that we still practically just break even on that. It's right. like it's like the gas stations that sell cheap gas so that you can go into the convenience store. We we charge for the discovery and we basically break even so that when we start the campaign, we hit the ground running because if they don't pay for the discovery up front, it costs us so much more time, energy, and money to try to figure out who you are, where you're yeah. going, where your gaps are, and stuff like that. It was just one of those things where we were always losing in the first year. And then we just said, hey, you know what? It's a win-win for the both of us if I measure twice and cut once. Right. And you mentioned the, the um, you know, it's a it's a pretty hefty investment for, for yep. somebody to enlist you to do that discovery process. Mm -hmm. So who's your ideal, you know, what's the yep. ideal avatar company sure. that, that you may work with? Yep. Usually companies that are anywhere between five to $150 million, uh, companies that have a one person marketing shop and need to scale and need to grow. Mm -hmm. But the product that we sell um, is um, has a backbone with a tool called HubSpot. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what we do is we will go and we'll implement a strategy. And when we're implementing that strategy, we're going to put cookies on people's computers and we're going to track their engagement. And every time that they engage with our clients marketing, they're going to get more and more points in the score. And all of that information is sent to the sales team. So they know exactly how engaged a potential client is with their marketing. Right. Um, so the, the, that was a long answer to say people that have products that are not just simply quick transactional, but mm -hmm. the individual the companies that require research before making a, a decent buying decision. No, nobody just woke up one day and said, you know, like I'm going to create a 360 process discovery process and I'm yep. going to fix, I'm going to reverse engineer the, the end goal to mm -hmm. tell you exactly the steps you got to go to get to this, to, to arrive there. Walk us through that journey over the last, I don't know, sure. 10, 15, 20 years, whatever that you don't you know, just yep. obviously that serpentine journey that you've taken to get here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it first started out was doing, I was doing, started out doing web development. Web development was great. We won some awards and things like that. But what would happen is, is that with web development, they said, Hey, you built me a really great website, but nobody can find it. So then mm. I had to get good at SEO. Then the next challenge I had is people would say, you built me a great website. It's on the first page of Google, but for some reason, my phone still isn't ringing. And so then I had wow. to figure out conversion science. And so over time, I've had to kind of figure out the full arc, um, you know, of what it takes to succeed, you know, 21 years later, um, people are like, oh, wow, that's really impressive. But I was like, the first five years were ramen noodles, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sweat and spit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And hope, a lot of hope. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you yeah. have the metrics to back up that hope yet. So yeah, yeah. I mean, the gauge, the gauge was of success was not having to go back to my parents and ask for money. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know? Move out of mom's basement. That's right. Exactly. So yeah. have you arrived at the point where it's almost like rinse and repeat? I mean, have you mm. refined this process so much that you're like, you know, we can, we can almost do this in our sleep because there's so many, we have so yeah. much historical data. We have uh -huh. our processes so dialed in, you know, we, we can, yep predict things with a margin of error, really minor margin mm -hmm. of error. I mean, I could go yep. on and on, but I mean, yep. you, you got to get the gist of the question. Yep. Yes and no. I mean, we have a 97% retention rate. So whatever we're doing is working. We, when we get clients, they don't leave us. They're mm -hmm. basically clients for life. So that's very good. That is uh, incredible. And so, yeah. So that part makes me feel like we're definitely onto something. The problem is, is that marketing is a rocket ship. 
and mm. it's going so fast. And just the AI technology that we've yeah. learned in the last eight months is dramatically different than anything I've ever done. Yeah. And what AI is forcing me to do, ironically, is to dump more energy into creative. Because mm. what AI could do is, is it could make writing and some other things a, a commodity. And if it's a commodity, how our business is going to shine? Well, usually it's going to be the most creative company wins. And so it's forced me to actually dump more energy into creative because I don't know what the landscape holds. Like I say with AI, it's like, like you can bury your head in the sand and hope it goes away, but it's not going away. Yeah. So either you get in front of it or you get rolled over by it. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can become, you can go from high relevancy to irrelevancy in a pretty short order. You know, exactly. if you don't, if you're not staying kind of cutting edge and yeah, um, yeah. I mean, do you, Yep. Do you engage with, with your counterparts in the industry? Do you, how do you stay cutting edge? I mean, do you, conferences, yep. is it, you know, just, Hey, yep. we do this kind of on our own. We just make sure we're, we're there. Yeah. What, what are some of the things that you would encourage other people, mm -hmm. people to do? Well, ironically, I have a, I have a podcast just like yourself mm -hmm. and I try to always find people that are a subject matter expert in something that I'm not. And so what I'm always doing is kind of using the podcast as a time to learn about them. Yep. And ironically, I don't learn from the show. I mean, I can learn from the show when they're on the show, mm -hmm. but I learn so much on the prep because yeah. I don't like to sound foolish when I jump on. And so I'll read their book or I'll watch five hours of YouTube videos. And then all of a sudden I'm on the video and I'm not saying I know as much as that person, but I'm studied up pretty much. Yeah. And that, that preparation, you know, is 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 worth its weight in gold you know i uh i, I think that th there's some idiom that i i don't know but it's something like if you want to know something find a way to teach it mm, yeah you know yeah no doubt yeah. no yeah. doubt about it and i and i know that how rare that is even in the podcasting space because you know sometimes when we do interviews and and i, I bring something up that i've seen on another vid podcast they did or another video they did mm -hmm. and they said you know you really did your research before you yeah. jumped on this call and thinking yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine not doing that. You know, I yeah. can't imagine not, you know, watching, watching Chris Carr mm -hmm. on Ferrotech, you know, interview mm -hmm. before I jump on and interview Chris Carr for Ferrotech. I mean, yeah, the yeah. whole idea, but yeah. I mean, one of the questions that came up that you mentioned earlier was this idea that, you know, I did hear you mention another, in another podcast, you said, you know, I heard you use that quarterback analogy before that says, mm -hmm. you know, you, you're the quarterback, um, you know, the play, we're going to execute, you know, type yeah. thing. And, but however, you're also bringing, you know, you're the wide receiver that's got his own ideas that are going to come here and say, Hey, uh, you know, yep. this, this cornerback cannot guard me. <laughs> he can't, yeah, he can't yeah. stay with me. Throw it long. Let's go long. Oh my you gosh. Know? This so, is a Cowboys fan. This is what happens when you have a podcast with Cowboys fans. <laughs> he almost, he, he almost walked away from the mic when I told him that. That's right. He said, I, I had to yeah. give him a little warning beforehand. I yeah. said, you know, I'm wearing my Dallas Royal blue here. So yeah. uh, before we jump on, but yeah, so we got yeah. a couple of NFC East issues yeah. that we've worked yeah, through yes, we have, with, we with therapy. <laughs> So. We were like, you want to do this podcast? I'm fine. We'll do it anyway. <laughs> That's right. Only if I yeah. promise not to bad mouth the Eagles during the podcast, right. he said he would stay on. So, yeah, man, yeah. I, I, I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, the answer to your question is, yeah, everything that we do can help companies in that direction, but they know their company and their audience better than anything I could research about them. I, I do a ton of data. I do a bunch of research. I know what Google says about them. 
but there's always a special sauce that the reason why companies have made it is you commonly because of their uniqueness or their special mm -hmm. sauce. And that's what I got to get from what's ever between the ears of yeah. the CEO, the CMO, the subject matter expert, or whatever that is, because I can, I can, I can vomit out content, but it's the special sauce that always shines through. That is absolutely, I think, true. Um, the only question I would have when you mentioned that is, you know, mm -hmm. it does seem like, and maybe this is more from the, my conversations with my business consultant friend, it does seem like sometimes that companies can be a little blind or unaware mm -hmm. of yeah. like even their own internal, like mm -hmm. they have, like they have blind spots, like, you sure. know, maybe they just, they just happen to have a product that, you know, can sell itself. Yeah. They have no idea who their audience is. They have no idea the yep. the you, they yep. couldn't define an avatar if you if you you know gave them a crayon and a and a blank piece of paper and type things. Yep. So, but I think you're right for the most part. I think they do have a pretty good understanding because you yep. can't succeed if you really don't understand you know who's yeah. the buying product. But when you run into that, when you when you are doing your discovery or whatever, I would think mm -hmm. that was that's part of the process is really defining who is the ideal customer yeah. yep. um how do you coach people through even mm -hmm. discovering that yep well there's a couple different things one is we have a process there's a book it's a really great book it's called building a story brand yeah, it's a formulaic, yeah, yeah it's a formulaic way and so yeah. we're certified in that and so we go and we implement that strategy so that's a little bit of the strategy the other parts we grab from google and a lot of times yeah. <laughs> a lot of times it is between their ears, but it's never been down on paper. Yeah. And because it's never been down on paper, when you ask questions for the first time, you're actually connecting the dots right. for them for the first time. And it's weird because they know the answer, but it's always so loose in their head. And so that's one of the things that when, when you try to do this from within, it's extremely difficult. Mm. But an outsider yeah. has an advantage and he asks questions sometimes that they just thought were beneath them. And because they've been asked that question in that way, sometimes they're like, well, I never thought about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of times what happens is, is that when you sell anything, there's usually three stages. There's awareness, consideration, and decision level. Mm -hmm. The decision level person commonly is more educated on your product, your service, or your problem way more than someone who's in the awareness stage. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that the large majority of companies vomit decision level content to awareness level people and they spook them. You know what I mean? And so yeah. what I would like them to do is take a step back and say, what message do we have to, for people that are just dipping their toe in the water? What about the people that are considering this solution versus another solution? And then if they are going to buy your solution, let's talk about now that that really... 3.0 level stuff mm -hmm. that you're talking about here that makes you different from the competitors. Is this really got kind of the funnel that you're running them through kind of the sales funnel process that you're, you know, you the top of the phone, you're trying to just bring people into the process type thing. But if you're talking about the different stages of the sales process. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it can be parts of the sales process, but it could also be part of the marketing funnel in itself. I right. find that the marketing funnel and the sales cycle when done right, they sort of mirror each other. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a little bit of a dance because you don't, sometimes marketing get away the sales and sometimes sales can go rogue and basically go off script, you know? 
Right. I talked to a woman today and she said that you can get fired in her company for making your own marketing materials. Not, not because it's, you don't want to solve a problem, but because of the danger of going off script so much, it was just yeah. like, you know what? Like you got to put the fear of God in these employees to say, look, we have a very specific way that we talk about our products and services. So trust the process. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd say I exposed myself there as a non-marketing professional. I, I mean, I confused the sales mm. funnel with the marketing funnel and, and, uh, the, no, it's, it's easy to do. It's kind of interchangeable for us lay people, but it, I, yeah. I exactly understand what you're saying, you yep. know, that it's, it is an interesting process that, uh, that you walk people through. So tell mm -hmm. us, you know, other, other parts of that process or other services yep. that you provide, just kind of unpack some of those. Yeah. Well, let me say one other thing, and I've been working on this analogy, and I've been trying to find a way to formulate and, and share it. Is is that I saw this this life coach or somebody like that, and he basically has this beaker, and he puts these big rocks in the beaker, mm -hmm. and he says like, "Is this full?" And the class is like, "Yeah, it's full." And then he pours these smaller rocks around the bigger rocks, and now it's a little bit more full. And he says, "Is this full?" And they say, "Yeah." And then all of a sudden, he pours sand. Mm -hmm on top of all that. So now he has a beaker that is actually full. But what he says that's very unique is he goes, you know what? If I was to start over again and I put the sand in first and I put the little rocks in second and the big rocks in third, there would be no room for the big rocks. Mm. Yep. And so what, I, what we find in marketing is, is that there's so many shiny coins, there's so many new amazing things that most companies are always dying to get to the sand when they haven't worked on their foundation, what are their mm. big rocks? What are their story? What are their audience? What is their unique selling proposition? How does sales and marketing integrate with one another? When you get those big rocks and you make them really solid, right? Yep. Then you build and then you build and then you build and then things compound. But when you are excited about TikTok and you're really excited about it, but your target audience is 55 <laughs> you know, the target audience that has people of 55 and older, phone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so cool. But, but you know, like you're thinking about sand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Actually, you may be thinking about chocolate pudding. I mean, it's yeah. nothing to do with the analogy <laughs> right. at all. So you're, you're that yeah. far off the marks. It's, it's yeah. interesting. You brought up TikTok because I was going to ask you just kind of on, on, from a mm -hmm. social media standpoint, you know, as a marketing yep. professional, where do you yep. think, um, you know, with the, with the thought process, you look at things like Snapchat, that seems to be just kind of falling off a cliff and, mm -hmm. you know, Facebook seems to be aging, almost aging itself out of relevancy, you know, yeah. and, yeah. um, what, what's the next big thing? What's the, what are the, what are companies gravitating toward or what do you mm -hmm. anticipate they will in the next, you know, two yep. to three years? Yeah. Well, I think the thing that you said a couple things that, I'm sure that people that will listen to this will, will disagree with me, but there is a part of Facebook that is like a dying star. The problem with it is, is that just like our son is also a dying star and it's going to take a whole, it's going to take yeah, a yeah. long time for it to, right. Right. When it's you're that tomorrow. big, even exactly. a dying star is bigger than everything else for a yeah. long time. Um, I don't believe that the metaverse is going to work the way Mark thinks it's going to work, but I could be wrong. A lot of companies are diving in, um, you know, 3d TVs were, supposed to be in every living room and mm -hmm. it was kind of a fad I, until they can make a functional thing that's actually comfortable to wear i just don't know whether people are going to want to live with a box in front of their eyes yeah. so 
You know what I mean? And so that's, I have my concerns about meta. I also have the, um, I'm trying to say this quickly so that I don't go off the rails. I have a, a moral concern about what it's like when you create a universe that is possibly better than our own, where you can't tell the difference between our own, but in that mm. world, you get to do anything you want when you want it. You yeah. know, I mean, it's almost like a garden of Eden thing. It right. scares me that the whole world a moral, you know, that's, yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. You know? And so that's, that's, that scares me. Um, especially when you, when you think of that, if, AI and automation could basically make a lot of people without a job and they have a lot of free time. And then it's a perfect storm of, yeah. you know, I, I wrote a book, I don't wrote a book, sorry. I wrote an article on, um, on venture beat that talked about the moral concerns I have with AI and meta, mm. um, which is, you know, it was a pretty big article for me, but I just think that um, my, I took a line from the Jurassic park thing. It's like, just because you could, doesn't exactly mean that you should. Right. So right. I think that that's something that people have to think about. Um, but to answer your question a little bit better, what I find is, is that every new thing just gets gobbled up by everybody else for the most part. And so TikTok mm. is obviously, they have mastered the world of the ADD. But if you were to be really honest, YouTube's doing the same thing. Facebook's doing the same thing. And a lot of these other channels are just stealing that approach. Mm -hmm. And so what you're finding is, is that there's a lot more value in this, this, what we call doom scrolling. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? This very bite-sized information. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, it's catnip for the ADD world, mm -hmm. but I, all these other people are doing it so much. All these other companies are doing it so much like, like for example, and I've said this on multiple podcasts, if you were to get any other app and you close the app, when you start the app, it goes back to almost like the homepage of that app. Mm -hmm. When you close YouTube, the app down and you were in stories, which is their version of TikTok. Mm -hmm. When you open it again, you don't go to the homepage of YouTube. You go back into stories, meaning they put you back into the doom scroll because they have more value of you yeah. just like sitting in front of the machine doing this forever than they do of you actually doing a query. Imagine the second biggest search engine in the world yeah. would rather you doom scroll than do the purpose of the entire, you know, of their entire platform. Mm. It's crazy, right? That, so, that is insane. It's nuts. But what I will say is, is everyone sort of steals from everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, a lot of the other platforms, they just took a bite out of Facebook and got very specific about that one little niche. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Right. Nothing new under the sun. It's just, a, it just it is. tweaks on, on yep. existing stuff. But yeah, it's uh, if you'll send me the link to that article you wrote, I'll make sure that we include that in the show notes because I think that oh yeah, that'd be great. Would like to like to maybe yeah. see that as well. But uh, and what else is uh, what else else happening? Just kind of in the space in general. I mean, I kind of want to just give yep. you kind of free reign to kind of touch sure. on some subjects because anything you say is going to be helpful to our audience in this space. Sure. Well, my fear is um, well, let me say thing because I'll say two things. The first one is because. You speak so much to startups. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a I'm a huge fan of uh, the Chick Fil A business model, mm -hmm. and if you ever get a chance, just kind of read that story. And the reality is, is that they made a really great product, and then they could have and should have. No, I'm sorry, they could they could have just scaled like crazy, mm -hmm. grown it like crazy, and done all the things that almost all other businesses try to do you know, the CEO of the company was like, we're going to get really good at chicken and then yep. we're going to get really good at chicken. And we're going to get really good at chicken. 
and then we're going to get good at customer service and we're going to get good at all these things. And then once we are the best, then we're going to scale. And when we do, no one's going to stop us. Mm -hmm. And it took him 20 years, but he was right. Yeah. And so I think that a lot of startups, they, they, they see overnight success by a handful of people and think they have to grow and they have to be all things to all people. When I'm like, you're going to, you could make a very, very nice living for yourself. And I'm not talking about just like a, like a, um, a lifestyle business. I'm talking about, you could have a multi-million dollar company off of a niche of a niche of a niche. Mm -hmm. So the fear is, is that I want to get the widest audience possible. I want you, I, I recommend being the best possible subject matter expert to a smaller group. You only really need a thousand to do very, very well for yourself. Yeah. A thousand loyal fans. Yeah. And I, Kevin Kelly even gets it down to what a hundred, yep. maybe, you know, that if, yeah. if you have a raving, you know, fans. So yep. it's, it's interesting. I, I uh, just have, have crossed paths with, you know, a lot of folks that are in the Chick-fil-A space and, um, mm -hmm. you know, actually have, have, uh, you know, have network friends and connections that are connected to the family. So oh, wow. it's, it's, so we've had a chance to meet, you know, like the, the, the daughter, the son-in-law, the, you know, wow. the son, that type of thing. And, and actually I met, I met the founder as well one oh, time, wow. but, uh, it, he is, he is absolutely the real deal. I mean, yeah. he, it's funny, you know, the billion dollar family owned corporation where yep. when he died, he lived in a 1500 square foot ranch home. Yeah. that was three bedroom, two bath, you know? So crazy, right? uh, it's just, it is, it is truly crazy, but he was yeah. absolutely obsessed with, we, we do one thing. We make a chicken sandwich and we <laughs> yeah. make it the best it can possibly yep. be. And even yep. that that's kind of in their mantra, their corporate mantra yeah. says what, it, you know, when they do business training, what is your chicken sandwich? You know, kind of like the hedgehog concept. What's your hedgehog? Sure. You know, yep. so it's uh, it's interesting to to uh, you know to hear that and and to to use that because and and man, their serve you know mm -hmm. um, business process is absolutely yep. serving yep. customers well. Yeah, and uh, and, they, yeah, and, um, and 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 you know what? They don't they don't take themselves so seriously that, like for example, there was a. Um, something about a customer service survey it was a national customer service survey and they were rated as just basically great food, but slow delivery. Mm. And then about three years ago before COVID they, they figured out how to do curbside. They figured out how to use double lanes in the, yep. you can still wait a long time, but yep. it's a fraction of what you used to do. Well, it's because said, there's 500 what? cars in the line. It's I not know, because I know. They're, they're slow. That's right. It, exactly. But just think yep. about like, if some of those people like, figured out how to get vaccines to people back in the day or whatever. You know what I mean? It's crazy, but they, they, they got right to work, mm -hmm. you know, and they didn't lose their focus and they didn't lose their, their ethos. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, they, they doubled and tripled and they ramped up and they were still saying, you know, my pleasure every yeah. single time. You know, it's funny that there was a meme that was going around that says, Hey, government, how about we get Chick-fil-A to deliver the vaccines? <laughs> Seriously, right? Right? Yeah. Chick-fil-A you know, drive-thru I mean, to get your vaccine. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yep. it was it was crazy. It was crazy. What else is uh you said you had a couple of things. I think you you touched on one of them. Yeah, you know, um, I think that the biggest question I'm getting a lot is um, is there a recession coming? And mm. um I think there is. I think there is. Um obviously how do you best prepare? 
how do you best prepare? I mean, I, obviously two quarters of negative returns or whatever it is, we're already there, mm -hmm. but because the job market is good, people don't feel it in the same way. And ironically, people still have some, some money in their pockets. So it's a very deceptive time to be in a recession, right? But I do think it's a lagging indicator. I think by Christmas time, I think you're going to feel the, the pressure from, you know, uh, what's happening in Europe, yeah. the power crisis and the war. Yep. Um, all of that's going to eventually trickle down. Um, uh, and so companies are going to basically have to say, like, what are we going to have to do? And so you have a couple different options. Um, one of them that I, that obviously this is very self-serving for us, but if you have a fat staff, um, meaning you have a lot of bodies in your marketing department, I think what you can do is, is that you can find companies that have a team-based approach like ours mm -hmm. and just say, you know what, if I had to trim staff, am I going to lose, am I going to lose my competitive edge? I'm like, you know what? You might have some addition by subtraction by yep. hiring an agency that has subject matter experts. Right. You know, um, on the flip side, if you're growing despite the recession um, and you want to scale, I probably wouldn't recommend hiring a bunch of people because um, this job market is just very expensive. Mm. Um, and so hiring an agency, that's my problem. Meaning yeah. that's my problem that I have to worry about paying the manpower. You know, I'm... I have to, I have to worry about the inflation, but you have just a fixed price. That, that is such great, such sage advice, you know, for anybody, yeah. I mean, just business agnostic, but uh, where do you, mm -hmm. where do you see Ferrotech the next three to five years? Where, where, what's that upward, upwardly yeah. right facing cocky stick look like? Yeah. Um, obviously we're going to, we're going to continue to try to get more and more niche uh, into manufacturing and healthcare. Um, but we still do a lot of, 70% of my business is still non-manufacturing and healthcare. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the other thing that we're trying to do is we're always going to try to be on the cutting edge of how technology impacts marketing, yeah. whether that's AI or whether that's other technologies. We have a big privacy hurdle that we have to figure out in the short run. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, Apple, Google, and all these companies are committing to privacy, um, which it's a story for another time, but I think it's kind of a big joke. Um, yeah. None of these companies are in the in the business of giving less information about their clients. No but doubt. It's a big PR move. And so in the short run, we just got to figure out where the piece is going to land and then how do we adapt? How do we, you know, how do we adapt to that? I'm not looking to serve illegal alcohol, but I can say that when the prohibition happened, a lot of companies made more money off the prohibition than they did mm -hmm. when alcohol was legal. Yeah. When when certain marketing companies run into the first hurdle, they might shut down and then we're going to still have to find a way to, you know, move the needle for companies um, despite the challenges. Right. Right. And Chris has been a, this has been a pleasure. I, I've really enjoyed oh, the thanks. chat today and, and man, thank you. I could, I could continue just, I, you know, forget we're yeah. recording here and just keep asking questions all day, but uh, you've got yeah. probably have a life to go to sometime this weekend. And, and I do as well, yep. but Man, I just really appreciate you taking time and, and just sharing, you know, horrible. just the the value that that uh, you brought mm -hmm. to the table today. And I can tell well thought out answers and and uh, uh, you know things that are I think are really tangibly helpful, you know, to our audience. And uh, once again, man, I appreciate you coming and just playing your part and helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Chris, have a great weekend. Thanks again. Another episode in the books. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.